Hey, real quick, this is Charlie, host of the Big Orange Podcast. Just want to drop a note in here and say we actually recorded this on Sunday morning before the news of Derek Mason getting fired uh, came out, and we talk about it as if Derek Mason has not been fired. That's why we didn't just, like, miss the news. Um, so that's it. Just wanted to drop in a note, say that, clarify. Otherwise, here's a new episode. Folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. And wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to our show here. Zach and I talk everything balls every week on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on which... The Big Orange Podcast is featured. Uh, and if you subscribe over there, you'll get our show every single Monday. You also get uh, Titans Podcast, Predators Podcast, Buck Rising's Podcast, which is about a bevy of things. So go over there, rate, review, subscribe. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter, at Zach PNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Natural, and A to Z Sports Natural.com for all the stuff that Zach writes. Well, we thought that we were going to see Tennessee play Vandy yesterday. And then the SEC stepped in. And what I would say is a honest, like, when I analyzed what exactly happened, it was an, a weird move. Because, I, you know, I got it in some sense. They canceled one game so that they could put back on two other games that had gotten postponed or whatever but they were two games that were wholly meaningless just completely so it felt a little arbitrary at the same time nonetheless we went another week without tennessee football which depending on how you look at it uh could be a good or bad thing (laughs) it's kind of strange nobody nobody out of tennessee side fans i mean there was some you know chirping back and forth with, with some fans on Twitter and stuff. But for the most part, it's like Tennessee isn't playing Vanderbilt this weekend. Eh, okay. Like nobody was really that upset about it. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to spend time with my family this weekend. No. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Tennessee football, seeing, seeing sports that I care about just because it was a, a weekend that I got to spend with family and Thanksgiving weekend, you kind of just spend sitting around a lot of the time just with your family. Wish I could have probably communed over a little Tennessee football, even if Tennessee football kind of stinks out loud at the moment. But here we are. You know, I, I think um, we'll be fine. Most people were not too, too bothered missing it. Now, I, what I was bothered by, we'll talk about this later in the show. Tennessee basketball was supposed to start this past Wednesday. And Rick Barnes uh, has the coronavirus still currently, I believe. Um, and so thoughts to him. It sucks. And the season got pushed. Hopefully, knock on all the wood. Hopefully it will happen sometime soon. But the, the Gonzaga game got canceled. And the Notre Dame game got canceled. Frick! I wanted basketball. I wanted it bad. 
and now that's pushed off too. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's mostly your fault. As soon as you hyped it up, the coronavirus went straight for Rick <laughs> Barnes. Like it left wherever it was that moment, went and found him and, and infected him. And that was that. It's that, that scene from, uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan where he's like, and I took that personally. <laughs> now, the coronavirus was like, yes. yeah, I took that personally. I'm coming for your basketball. <laughs> but we could put that aside and just talk about the current situation that Tennessee is in. The Florida game is coming up. But as we do most weeks since the season has been going on, we are uh, different from most weeks. We don't have a game to analyze this week. So, what we're going to go through from here on out is talk about the different scenarios that could unfold for Tennessee leading into this offseason. I, I think you could pretty much say at this point the season's shot. And it's it's tough to say that, but it sort of is what it is. Even if you won out by some miracle, if that happened, I, I think you still look back at the season and go, I mean, I would say especially if you went out, you would look back at the season and be like, what was that? How did we beat Florida and Texas A&M and then lose to Arkansas and Kentucky? You know, I, I think that would that might be the most frustrating outcome. <laughs> I mean, that but, would, yeah, that would be similar to last season when you when you yeah. finished with six straight wins, but you lost to you know Georgia State and BYU. Should have been a ten win season, and yet um, we know how it ended. But uh, we'll we'll just go through the different scenarios of how this plays out and kind of talk about the implications of each. If Tennessee loses out, what what's the future? If Tennessee beats Vandy only, what's the future? And so we can kind of go through that and and talk about each scenario. Then I got a, a poll um, about uh, potentially a, another coach who's not Jeremy Pruitt coming to Tennessee if things don't work out. And, and we'll discuss what – it was a poll on Twitter. We'll discuss what uh, the listeners said about that one and uh, go from there. So – I guess we can start off with, let's just start out. This is the one that everybody probably wants to hear about if you're listening to this show. If Tennessee loses out and you lose to Vandy, who, my gosh, Vandy. Well, this is a little bit of an aside. They had a female kicker yesterday who everybody, I mean, I would say for the most part, everybody was just like, I want to see how this goes. I want to see it. Like, let let her get a chance, even if it's just a PAT. I want to see her get out there. And she got a kickoff, um, which is cool. I believe first first female to play in a Division One college football game. I think cool. a power, power Five game. Power, okay, Power Five game. Oh, yeah, that's right, because uh, there was an, another. Yeah. I remember that in the past. Um, like Colorado State or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, got a, she got in for a kickoff, but Vandy... Just didn't score. Not only did they not score, they didn't even get to attempt a field goal. They didn't get into field goal position, even much less attempt, like get into a position where they could try for a touchdown. Um, and that was against Missouri, who's not it, like this wasn't against Alabama. It was against Missouri. I mean, what the heck? So thanks, Vandy. We get uh, that opportunity of getting to see uh, the first female kicker try a field goal but as i said an aside if you lose out you lose to vandy who clearly stinks out loud and you lose to florida and texas a&m if everything goes as scheduled obviously we know that's not the easiest thing in the world to do but 
Where do you think Tennessee goes from there if that happens, Zach? I don't I don't think well, I know that Philip Fulmer doesn't want to fire Jeremy Pruitt. He he wants to kind of chalk this season up to, to an aberration due to COVID and, and everything going on, which I don't necessarily agree with. But if you lose to Vanderbilt, who looked really bad yesterday, like you mentioned, it, Tennessee should easily beat them. But if you lose to Vanderbilt, it, it you're going to lose to Florida and Texas A&M, obviously. Eight straight losses to close the season. Recruiting class. I mean, we already saw one of their best uh, recruits, uh, a four-star cornerback, decommit on Thanksgiving Day. So, recruiting's kind of starting to get a little shaky. If that starts falling apart, you know, Fulmer might be forced to make a move. I would put it at kind of 50-50 at that point. Like, I, I tend to lean towards Pruitt being back next season, even though I don't think it's the right, the right move. Uh, but even it, with a loss to Vanderbilt, I'm not for sure that that he would be gone. Yeah, we've talked in past weeks, and if you want to hear our full take on it, I would say specifically go listen to last week's show. We're basically out yeah. on, on Pruitt as a coach at Tennessee because it's just – you're sort of past the point of no return. We said last week, like, have you ever seen it get this bad at a program and come back to success? And – Obviously, I'm not just a Rolodex of college football information, but I'm going to say no. And if it does, it's extremely rare. And and so we're both sort of out. And we, I guess we can start there. I believe we both think it's probably the best move for Tennessee to just go on from Jeremy Pruitt. Find somebody else, especially when you have some good options out there, which we'll talk right. about later. Um and sometimes but, I think it's best to look outside the bubble. I mean, we're kind of in this bubble along with fans where you don't look at Tennessee the same way that other people outside of, of all of this look at it. And I talked to somebody yesterday that's kind of in the college sports world, uh, various positions, has zero to do with Tennessee, no connection to Tennessee, no emotional feeling about Tennessee. And we're talking, he said, you know, you know who would be perfect for, for Tennessee Ironically, when Pruitt gets fired, he's like, because he's definitely going to get fired at some point. Like, it's not going to work out because he's just, he's viewed as a micromanager kind of outside of this bubble. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Dave Clawson, which is kind of funny because it would Oof. never, ever happen because of Boy. his history with Tennessee. But he's like, he would be like the perfect guy for this program, which I don't know that I agree with that. But it's just kind of funny how I like to look outside of our, our little bubble to see how Tennessee's viewed and, you know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable at this point. That's how it feels. That's absolutely how it feels. This, the suggestion of closet is interesting because I think to some extent, I mean, that would never, ever, ever happen. And I can tell you exactly why I pretty sure to some extent, Fulmer believes that Dave Clawson had a big hand in him getting fired. But didn't Um, Fulmer have an true to some extent, but didn't Fulmer, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong. Didn't he have an opportunity to to basically fire most of his assistants or something after 08 and yeah. he didn't? There, there was, there, there has been that, I guess you consider it a rumor, although I think there was definitely some to it, um, that he had sort of been very stubborn where the admin was sort of saying, you got to make wholesale changes and he didn't want to. So, yeah, I... I've always heard that since then. And so from, from that, um, I like, 
I I almost look at it. If David Cutcliffe does not leave in 2007, I don't want to say Fulmer is still the coach, but he would have been the coach for longer at Tennessee. And I think the yeah. switch to Clawson had a huge part in things falling Absolutely. apart for Fulmer. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if there's bad blood there, honestly, but I yeah. highly doubt that would happen. Clawson's um, at Wake Forest with John Curry now. I think they can just kind of hang out together. They'll be okay. Yeah. We'll let Curry have him. Um, but that that is interesting. But going back, I think your your overarching point there was that that person was saying, "Oh, it's over." Yeah, I mean, we know it's over with and and I at this point I wholly agree. I think that there's just too much evidence that he's not going to pull it together, and I see really no no sign that things are going to change. I also think that he's probably hard-headed and in some sense that's good for a football coach you want a guy who's going to be a little bullheaded it, it can be to your advantage I mean obviously like a Nick Saban is one of the toughest guys to handle probably in all of sports but his ways work and Pruitt's do not and Pruitt is still stubborn so you know what Pruitt kind of reminds me of is Ed Ogeron's first head coaching stint at Ole Miss where I just mm-hmm. don't feel like Pruitt is able to get his hands out of, you know, let let his coaches do their job because he has smart guys on his staff. He has some proven guys now. He does have some guys that I think don't have enough experience to be working for a first time head coach. I, I do think he's made a few mistakes. I, I kind of wrote about it yesterday. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan in retrospect of Derek Ansley as a defensive coordinator because he had never been a defensive coordinator. And the moment that happened, I think it opened the door to Pruitt being in that room way too much. And I think that's a, one of his biggest issues right now. Yep. And as you said, micromanager. And for anybody that's ever worked for a micromanager, it's the worst. And it makes things dysfunctional. Uh, I mean, you, I think a micromanager as a, as a boss, feels like hawking over everybody is going to make everybody more productive when it's actually counterintuitive, and it makes people just freeze up and kind of resent you. Um, and there, there, I would guess there is very much an element of that going on around Tennessee right now. Now, that is speculation, sure. We're, we're projecting to a certain extent, but I think if you, you can kind of read the tea leaves about what is going on here. But as far as t- Tennessee losing out in that scenario, to me, I I would say I hope I so badly hope that they would move on. That's that's an untenable situation. I think if you if you do have what people are predicting and you go back to regular capacity and everything next season for sports um who is buying tickets to see that to who like before that season even starts who is looking at the situation under Pruitt and going That'll probably be good this year. No, who would think that? And so I think you're talking about potentially taking a pretty big financial hit if you decide to go down that road. And I I think, personally, Fulmer would be moved. If for no other reason than I think, we'll see. But I think Michigan is going to have an open spot. Obviously, South Carolina already does. Vandy 
might. I don't know. Penn State. Penn State might. Yeah, Penn State. There's going to be some major openings, I think. Obviously, we've talked about there's a lot of financial considerations with all the craziness this year. Especially with Tennessee now because of uh, Pruitt's new contract. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's do. I I didn't. We hadn't planned on talking about this, but you tweeted this, man. This was a in the extension. Everybody with Pruitt's extension this offseason. The, the line was, well, it didn't affect any, he didn't, it's just a little raise, it's fine, blah, 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 blah. What did you find? In the, yeah, it was, I mean, uh, this was just in the articles about it, but I had missed it, personally, and you found an element of this that is mind-blowing. I don't think it was really reported before. I think it was just, it's always been known that Tennessee will owe 60% of Pruitt's contract if he's fired. So I don't know if anybody ever really put it together until Andy Staples from The Athletic uh, put it out there this week that, you know, Tennessee owed Pruitt. If they would have fired Pruitt without extending him this offseason, they would have owed him like $6.8 million, I think, is is what was left on his contract. Now, because of the extension, they would owe him about 12 point and a raise because he did get a raise, even though he's not taking it this year, which kind of feels like a cheap way of getting out, of, you know, forfeiting some salary. He's not really forfeiting anything he's just forfeiting a raise um they would owe him about 12.6 million or something like that and it's not mitigated at all and it's that oh my gosh who made this deal this is horrific we got to find new lawyers somebody's got to train fulmer about negotiation i don't know i don't know how this happened but this is exactly what andy staples wrote this is i just looked up your tweet this is from his writing Pruitt's contract calls for Tennessee to pay 60% of the remaining balance on his deal. Had he not been extended, he would be owed $6.8 million if fire, fired without cause after the season. After the extension, that number rose to $12.6 million. And like Muschamp's deal, there is no offset language. Tennessee would owe the full amount no matter what job Pruitt gets afterward. So oh my gosh! Tennessee would basically go pay... Pruitt, twelve million dollars. He'll be a defensive coordinator at Alabama or wherever he ends up. And yeah, yeah. I mean, at least you wouldn't have a Butch Jones situation on your hand where Pruitt pretends to work somewhere for yeah, four years. He has. He doesn't have to worry about that. He could just go sit in the Bahamas on our dime, like every other coach. Tennessee's fired. My I, point I was, with that tweet, though, was that if Tennessee's that reckless with an extension they can be that reckless with firing somebody and paying it true. because obviously they're not that concerned about money. If they're not, I mean, look, it's college football. Pruitt had a 13 and 12 record when he got that extension. There's no guarantee with any coach at this point. I mean, look at some, I mean, we're talking about James Franklin getting fired at Penn state. The guy a couple years ago was considered one of the top five coaches in the country by some, and now he's on the hot seat. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan was supposed to be there, Nick Saban, and he's probably going to get fired. There, there are no guarantees if, unless your name is Nick Saban or or Dabo Sweeney. I mean, even Ed Ogeron at LSU, they won a championship last year. They're rebuilding this year. They're terrible. They go next year and they don't improve. People are going to be talking about Ed Ogeron at LSU. I mean, that's just how it goes in college football. Yes, you should. I, I think at this point, between the extension of Butch, this nightmare that's happening or that already happened with Pruitt. 
Stop giving people extensions. If you're in uh, UT's athletic department, stop it. Don't do that. You don't have to. You don't need to. Especially just before the season starts, you give somebody an extension and a raise to keep somebody else from hiring them. You do that after the season, not right before it starts. What's the point then? That is, that's the craziest thing to me. So like, where an extension makes sense. UCLA is trying to hire Rick Barnes and they are coming in hard and they're offering big money and they want him bad. It was reported that Rick Barnes was leaving Tennessee. Like, that's how far down the road they got. That's when an extension is warranted. <laughs> and, uh, okay, I, I will say, you know, if, if you get down into the final contract year for somebody, and it's up in the air, and you want to give them a vote of confidence, you give them an extension. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can see. Pruitt was not like that. That's not how Pruitt's deal was. Yeah, you get into not. your final season. You, it's going to be hard to get assistance to come if you're in the last year of your contract. I get that, but yeah, you know, like exactly. I said, not that situation. All of that combined with how I feel Fulmer is going to handle this is what makes me think that that Pruitt will be back next year. I think, I think they beat Vanderbilt after what we saw yesterday. They'll probably finish three and seven, which is the worst case scenario for Tennessee fans because then there's probably no hope of Pruitt getting fired. So you got him for another year. So then what? I mean, we yep. just watch it for another year. What are you hoping for at that point? So that is that's the next scenario in this going three and seven, and you're exactly right. It is a hopeless situation to me because we're both already resigned to what this situation is. It's done. And you're not you're not gonna come back up unless year over year Harrison Bailey becomes a revelation and unless Caden Salter comes in and is a miracle it's not gonna get better and why would i believe that any of that would get better with chris winky still now i think pru will probably make changes like that this offseason i don't know exactly what he'll do if he doesn't what what even more of an indictment do i need at this point if he doesn't make any changes this offseason um but like there, there's no sign to me that harrison bailey's will will suddenly become better jared garantano never got better why would i believe that and so maybe that happens, maybe, but who, why would I have any hope that that's going to be the case? And that sucks. That absolutely sucks. Um, and, and I would say maybe, again, this is projection speculation. A lot of this probably will be uh, just because of the nature of this conversation. But I, I would hope that let's say South Carolina starts looking at a guy like Hugh Freeze, a guy who ESPN reported last week wants to be at Tennessee. Or I guess you would say, I believe the report was Tennessee is his dream job or something like that. I believe you wrote about it, Zach, what I, what the verbiage was there. Yeah, there wasn't really, uh, what, with ESPN's report, there's no dream job quote, but they did say that's his preferred landing spot. His preferred landing spot, okay. Which I can so, see because Tennessee greater than... South Carolina. I mean, Hugh Freeze yeah. obviously wants to be back in the SEC. Who doesn't? Um, if those are the only two open, I mean, Vanderbilt is probably not in the scenario there. It's going to come down to Tennessee and South Carolina. Yeah, you're going to pick Tennessee every time. And plus, you're going to get paid there regardless of if you're successful or not. Yeah, and so does South Carolina may be making a move on a guy who has a proven track record, has beaten Alabama twice as a consummate or, or has been a consummate winner in the past before he got slammed by the NCAA. 
South Carolina's kind of going yeah. down the uh, young upstart road. I think Shane Beamer is, like, is 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 yeah. kind of at the top of their list, which is odd, but hey, maybe it'll work for them. I, I think with South Carolina, there may be an element of we had to spend so much to get rid of Muschamp that we don't have enough to pay a guy like Freeze. <laughs> and Tennessee might end up in that same scenario if they were to try to axe Pruitt. Um, and honestly, I don't know which one is worse in that scenario, keeping Pruitt after going two and eight or getting stuck in the purgatory of having to hire another no name. I I, I threw out a scenario that I thought could be real. Like it's not exciting by any means, but you fire, you fire Pruitt. And, uh, I think Tennessee fans for far too long. And I've been guilty of this as well you watch the program go down in flames and then you're thinking, who's the guy, who's the urban Meyer, the niche Saban that can get this program, the 12 wins. Well, they got to get to nine or 10 wins a season first, eight to 10 wins. They got to be a winning program every year before you can even think about college football playoff before that's even a scenario. I kind of tossed out begging David Cutcliffe to come to, to Tennessee to get the program kind of on solid footing. And if he if you did that, you could probably get Arch Manning to Tennessee, and that could be the thing that turns it all around. Touchliff would be a five-year option at best, and then maybe you find your Nick Saban type coach. It's not an exciting scenario, but at this point, you're going down the same road, getting the same results. Why not try something? I would take Cutcliffe tomorrow. I mean, he found relative success. Um at Ole Miss with Eli. Obviously, he was Peyton's offensive coordinator at Tennessee. He came back, worked magic with Jonathan Crompton uh, in in Fulmer's final year, final, I guess, years at Tennessee. He was there in 2007. Um, I As sort of a Band-Aid hire, if but that was possible. Basically. I believe there, there was some, some talk that Fulmer had approached Cutcliffe during the Pruitt hiring process. Um, obviously it's always really hard to know exactly how much validity there is to all of those things. Um, and obviously Cockcliffe is not here. So <laughs> I, I think the lure of working with another Manning could do it because Arch Manning's not going to yeah. go to Duke. Like he's just not, No, it'll be Ole Miss or LSU or something, you know, close, close to home. But if Cutcliffe's at Tennessee, the, the relationship between the Cutcliffe's and the Manning's is I mean, it's as tight as it gets. I think that might be the one thing that can maybe convince him to do it. I think that would be a fine, a f- totally fine idea. Because I think he could plant you somewhere in like the 8-9 win space. Right. Will he be a a national title coach? He, he's never shown that he, he can be. But he got, while Eli was there, he had good seasons at Ole Miss. Yeah, they had a 10-win like, season, which was unheard yeah. of back then. Tough place to win. And I either think he, the Mississippi schools. He won ten games at Duke, maybe nine or ten yeah. games one year. They played in the Chick Fil A Bowl against Texas A and M because I remember it was the yeah. they played at Johnny Manziel, and he, that was one of the games where he made like a fa- one of his famous yeah. plays. And um, Duke so, is like yeah. the worse than Vanderbilt in the ACC traditionally before Chuck Cliff. Yeah, and that funny and <laughs> it is kind of funny that Duke it was like the jumping off point for Steve Spurrier, mm-hmm. and then. Also, is kind of Cutcliffe has made it his his passion project of sorts. Just at this the latter part of his career here, uh, they did yeah. So in 2013, 2014, he went ten and four, nine and four, back to back seasons, then eight and five, 
and then it's it's been a little rougher from there. They're only two and six this year, but yeah, I mean he led Duke to good seasons, had a ten and three season at at Ole Miss, and I think what yes, exactly what you're saying would be a good band aid move. Where yeah, I, I don't see him being a national title coach. Obviously, he's also older, pretty advanced. Yeah, he's age, 66. Yeah. So he's, he's around, I think Saban's around that same age. And um, so, yeah, he's probably closing in on the twilight of his career. Maybe maybe it's kind of, oh, I want to finish at Tennessee sort of thing. That would be, again, speculation, speculation, speculation. Maybe that's how you could sell it to him and say, hey, this is a place where you were so great. Come come back home or whatever it would be. I mean, he's he is actually an Alabama grad, I believe. Uh, but yeah. um, nonetheless, he's just more inextricably linked to Tennessee than anywhere else. Um, and so that that is interesting to me. And I, I think maybe that is a move that if if it does come to to the most likely scenario, this three and seven scenario, I, I think if you could work something like that and get Fulmer thinking in that way he could get motivated to move at three and seven. I think there are scenarios where it's like South Carolina is about to make a really good hire. So Fulmer gets suddenly gets, you know, up off, off the sea because he says, Oh, oh, you know, this other, one of our rivals is making a good hire. Maybe he gets motivated that way. And you could go down. Obviously the David Cutcliffe thing is kind of a fantasy situation that we're just coming up with here, but maybe there's something like that that you could work. Sure. That would be, that would be true competence out of uh, the athletic department. And when's the last time we saw that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess Fulmer getting Barnes to say that was good. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a, a rocky, rocky road for the AD at, at Tennessee. And so it is, that's the nightmare scenario. And it's the most likely scenario. And that sucks because you... I, I think in that scenario, the most likely outcome is that you are just stuck in this purgatory of what is there even to hope for next season with Pruitt coming back? Even if he makes wholesale staff changes, the staff that he's hired wasn't good already. Like he's made a couple of good hires, but they're both guys who I would guess were very much, I, I don't want to say forced on him, but probably encouraged by Tennessee forces to hire T. Martin and Jay Graham. Those are the two best hires. Those are the two best guys. Those positions are the best positions on the team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think they're not Pruitt guys. Like the the friend hires that Pruitt has made, you're, you're you know your will friend guys like that. I mean, it's just not it's not no. where you want it to be. And Chris Winkie is another one of those. He was with him at Alabama. He's been terrible. Will friend has not lived up to his uh, billing as a good offensive line coach. Brian Niedermeyer, great recruiter. I like the guy. I, I I hope, you know, kind of in the article I wrote on Saturday, I would prefer that he stay, maybe move back to tight ends. He's been a terrible inside linebackers coach. I mean, the inside linebackers have not progressed at all this season. They looked nope. lost out there, as lost as they ever have. Tennessee can't cover the middle of the field. He's He's a first-time defensive position coach, and you put him at one of the most important positions on the field. Wasn't a smart move. And then letting Tracy Rocker go to South Carolina. I was for that move because of recruiting purposes. He's he's not much of a recruiter, but he's a good technique guy. He can coach players how to play well. The defensive line played well last season. Probably wasn't a smart move to let him go. 
especially when you fired the guy that you replaced him with after just four games. That that looks just like general incompetence on Pruitt's part. Yes. Now, if he has to make these staff changes, he's kind of going to be a lame duck coach next year. Who's going to come join his staff that's going to make Tennessee better? Who are you going to go convince? Yeah, That's an issue, too. Who are you going to convince to come here and get fired next year? You're not going to get some quarterback guru to come be Pruitt's coach for one year to coach Bailey when they could go somewhere else with more security. <laughs> I think the funniest, the funniest thing that I've read in some of this stuff, like we, I, I would say A to Z Sports has posted some, I don't know what you would call it. So not doom and gloom stuff, but sort of like Pruitt is not good kind of content on Facebook. And it, it generates a lot of talk, a lot of different people. A lot of people are like, he's done, get this guy out of here. Then a lot of people are like, give him 20 years, he deserves, <laughs> Tennessee needs stability. The funniest suggestion that I see, I've seen it multiple times, is go hire Hugh Freeze as your offensive coordinator. <laughs> what? Are, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to assume that the, the person saying that just doesn't kind of realize exactly what that means. <laughs> but selling to Hugh Freeze, who went who went with Liberty, Liberty, and beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech this year with Liberty. Um, yeah, come be the offensive coordinator for a guy who is almost certainly going to get fired next year. <laughs> That's, That's what you're saying when you say that. That's yeah, the same crowd him. as the uh, Peyton Manning to be the head coach crowd. Uh, I And I even, admittedly, that's one that's like crossed my mind where I'm like, man, maybe that's the move at the end. Of, I mean, it's kind of, it's sort of like, um, sort of what uh, Michigan did with their basketball team. Um, they, well, I guess the, the guy that they hired, he's, he is just essentially a really good older a basketball player at Michigan. He had been a coach, though I believe an assistant coach in the NBA, and then moved uh, to to Michigan. Who I can't think of his name. It's uh, Juwan Howard. It's Juwan oh, Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he had been at multiple uh, stops as an assistant, or just okay, just one. He had spent years with the Miami Heat, and then they just hired him at Michigan. So even in that scenario. I would say that's as close as I can recall off the top of my head to like a higher Peyton kind of scenario. And even in that, in that one, Juwan Howard had been a coach uh, at the Miami heat for a number of years beforehand. So, um, well, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the Hugh freeze offensive coordinator thing. Did, have you seen the comments? I've seen this a couple of times, I think on Twitter. Why don't, why doesn't Tennessee just demote Jeremy Pruitt to defensive coordinator? And hire a new head coach. Yeah, that's that's gonna work. I, I will say, I wish it was that easy. Yeah, I I and wish you could do that. That would be great. You wouldn't have to pay his buyout. You could put together what would arguably, almost immediately, be probably the best staff in the SEC East, kind of overnight. Um, the situation would be so toxic. At yeah, that exactly. Point. I mean, the kind of bitter resentment that you would have. I mean, Pruitt's from, already known for not getting along with half of the people he's worked with. I mean, you go read articles from his time at Georgia where half the people loved him, half hated him. 
and won't even comment about him at, at this point in their careers. So yeah, I can't imagine that working out. No, I've, I wish it was that easy. You, you to, to shuffle him out the door, you got to all the way get rid of him. Now you could probably with the guy coming in, convince some of the current staff where you could mitigate a little bit of the money. You could probably convince T and J if you made the right hire, you could convince T and J to stay. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and that's if the coach coming in wants them to stay. But otherwise, I mean, I just had the thought of Jeremy. I was just Jeremy Pruitt going back to Alabama after this season, and Butch Jones still being on staff down there, and those two together. <laughs> Can you imagine when they come and beat Tennessee in twenty twenty one? If that's the case, oh, that's the life of a Tennessee fan right there. Just a. Nice little nutshell is getting to think about scenarios like that, that if Pruitt gets hired, that's almost certainly what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, he's going to go back to Alabama. Alabama's defense is kind of stunk this year. And so, yeah, I mean, he's going back. And then... <laughs> now, what what do you think oh, about if, if they keep Pruitt, which we kind of think is going to happen, if he is able to make some changes, is, does he go after Will Muschamp as his defensive coordinator? With that, I mean, even then he would, I would think that's the one thing that might can save Tennessee only if Jeremy Pruitt then learns to leave Muschamp alone and let him run the defense. Like I mentioned earlier with Ainsley being such a young coordinator with no experience, I think that's one of the major issues with this team. Would having somebody like Muschamp there, you think maybe kind of change the trajectory of this team? That would be, I've seen that bandied about. And I think that would be, if you do keep Pruitt, that would be a prudent move to make if you can, if Muschamp's willing to do it. At the same time, I look at those two personalities and I say, defense is obviously Pruitt's baby. Muschamp, defense is kind of his baby. Mm -hmm. He's a defensive guy, always has been. Um, Both extremely headstrong, extremely intense guys. I could see that going toxic real quick. I mean, they yeah. are friendly. I mean, we've talked, we've heard yeah. about no. being in group text messages with Muschamp, and they talk, and you know, they have a relationship together. I'm not sure if they were ever on staff together anywhere at any point, but they've, you know, they've, they've known each other for a long time. I can see your point too, where where that could get toxic, but if done the right way, maybe but it would require Pruitt to really change his entire approach. But yeah. I think he needs a personality like that to change his approach because he's got these guys that he's just kind of running over. The Ansley's, the friend Joe Osevet. I mean, these guys that, you know, they just want to be in these positions. They're going to do whatever they're told by Pruitt. They're kind of not going to really push back and make him think about what he's, you know, question his, his approach at all. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. He doesn't need yes men. That's definitely true. I and really nobody in a position of power just needs yes men all over the place. That's never good. That's never right because when you screw up, you don't have somebody there to say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Um, and so sure, I maybe that would be the move if you could do it. I as I said, I I want to say I literally saw an article about that being a a possibility. I don't remember where it came from, who wrote it, if it was just pure speculation or if there was actually some amount of traction of like Pruitt may have reached out to Muschamp. Um, I don't, I don't think that that is the case, but uh, 
that that would be interesting. I I think if you do keep him, it's gotta be something like that for me to have any modicum of okay, let's see how it goes. Cause I know, man, this this podcast going into next season, if if Pruitt if Pruitt goes three wins and stays, this is gonna be like the din of cynicism uh, on this show. I can just already tell you, you're not going to get any sunshine pumping out of me unless he he goes out and gets Nick Saban to be his defensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, you just like, there's got to be some kind of extreme move for me to move off of the fact that this is just over and we're delaying the inevitable. I mean, and the more that he, even if he does make these staff changes, it, it's still a terrible look for him because he's made these sweeping changes almost every year and at what point is it's like it's not you know it's not you it's me type thing exactly where do we go you know it's kind of that situation where you're like oh taylor swift has had 42 different boyfriends that she writes songs about (laughs) at what point is taylor swift the problem yeah you know it's sort of that like and hey if he does she makes fine records but yes uh (laughs) It's a guilty pleasure at times. (laughs) Is what it is. Um, But seriously, when do we say it's Pruitt? Pruitt's a problem. I mean, he's he's made some good moves to bring in some. Like, you know, everybody's all over Jim Chaney right now. But I don't think Jim Chaney suddenly forgot how to be an offensive coordinator. Me either. Yep. I don't think he's the problem. And then you've got Chip Long there as an analyst who who had success at Notre Dame and couldn't get along with Brian Kelly and was kind of let go for no reason really other than not getting along with the head coach. You know, maybe they can utilize him in a position next year. He'd certainly be a better tight ends coach and, and involved in the offense than Joe Osevet, who has no experience at this level. He's supposed to be this RPO guru. And maybe he is. Maybe Pruitt's not really letting him have as much say as he kind of envisioned but i haven't seen anything from tennessee's rpo game to to suggest that he's made any sort of positive impact maybe that's because jared Darantano is running the offense and you know we saw him try to pass off an rpo last week and it resulted in a hundred yard touchdown for the other team but <laughs> it's just some of the decisions he's made with his coaching staff doesn't really it's like he's made good hires, but he hasn't put them in a good place to have success. Yeah, you can have. It's the same as just coaching in a general sense, coaching in a game. You can have great dudes, and to some extent, they'll pick up the slack. Josh Dobbs with Butch Jones. Josh just picked up a ton of slack, but at the end of the day, that got you nine wins, where I I will forever believe, with a fully competent coach, that's a playoff team. You know? And so, Pruitt, yeah, he can 2015 have, and 16 were. Yes, specifically 2015. I mean, you had two teams from the playoffs, from the two teams that made the playoff on the ropes. Um, so, you know, you'll you'll be hard-pressed to get me off of that hill. That's one I'll die on. God, it's so um, depressing. It's a more depressing now. The see Tennessee struggle this year. <laughs> like, that was it. That was the it moment. It was there. It was there. And and Butch squandered it. Um but uh, before I cry on this podcast, um, but ser- with with Pruitt, y- you can have Cheney. Cheney did not for exactly like you're saying. He did not forget how to coach offense. What is Pruitt doing that is kind of putting them in these 
in this position where we're suddenly going like, what even is this? Well, I think offense? we saw. I've some seen of this it. guy coach a good offense. I think we saw some of it against Auburn. I mean, leading up to the Auburn game, Pruitt's talking to the media about wanting to open up the offense, wanting to throw the ball down the field, which everybody wants to see. I mean, that's how you win games. 30-yard, 40-yard passes, splash plays. You you have to have those to win games. He's harping on that. In the Auburn game, the running attack is the only thing working, and all of a sudden Tennessee's trying to throw the ball. They're getting away from what's working. And I, I feel like it had to have been the pressure that Pruitt was putting on Cheney to alter his game plan. That's the only... This is the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. So, you know, same. It's the only explanation that makes sense when I really look at that situation and kind of the dynamic there. Uh, it's it's just, it's a tough spot to, to be in because I, what I always go back to anybody that's like, fire Cheney, fire Cheney. Never forget, Jim Cheney had one of the best offenses in the history of Tennessee football. And, that actually happened, and it can't be forgotten. And so forgive me if I give him slack and criticize Pruitt instead. Like, I've seen this dude succeed, and I have not seen Pruitt succeed. I mean, he made Nathan point. Peterman decent at Pittsburgh. Yeah. He has done some stuff that is impressive as an offensive coordinator, and all I've seen Jeremy Pruitt do is he had that six-game winning streak, and then he's blown it outside of that. So, like I said, forgive me if that's my, my stance on that entire situation. But here, we'll, we can wrap up this discussion sort of with this final scenario. So, if Tennessee, I mean, I don't, you're, you're just, you're not going to beat Florida and, and Texas A&M both. But I think it's an interesting. You're not going to beat either one of them. Yeah, let's be completely honest. But if you do beat one of the two. How do you feel? Obviously, I think in that scenario, and I would tend to agree, you're not firing Pruitt, and I would be okay with that. I would get it. I would at least be like, okay, you can justify not firing this guy, even though I think you should. Um, I would still think you should, but yeah. I would be like, okay, you can you can sell to me, you can sell to the donors, fine. But that, I think, even then, I think you are still in just that purgatory where we're going to be at three wins. You're just going to be like, it was a fluke. And well, we out of nowhere. And where's the hope still? You'd have a very similar situation to Tennessee in 2016. If you if you come out and you you beat Vanderbilt, which I, I do think will happen. It's not a guarantee like it should be, but I do think they'll beat Vanderbilt. And then you knock off Florida. That kind of sets you up. Still a losing season still sets you up for some to sell some excitement to the fan base. Like, hey, mm -hmm. rough season, but Tennessee beat Florida for only the second time in the last 16 years. So there's something there. But I still think you're in that situation where, hey, 2016 they beat Florida for the first time in, in 12 years, and the right thing to do at the end of 2016 was to fire Butch Jones, and they didn't. And they exactly. delayed the inevitable and things. I mean, that's what led to the disastrous – 2017 coaching search you're gonna be right back in that same situation you might be able to sell a little little bit of excitement because of beating florida or if it's texas a&m even then because they're a pretty good team this year but you're, you're still in the same situation i think that is the only thing that you could do is you would still stick with them and probably have a lame duck off season 
but then be able to go, hey, it was a weird coronavirus year, but we still be Florida. Please buy some tickets. That's like the best that that scenario could be. Then you got to hope they go seven and six in year four, just good enough to kind of keep the recruiting class together, but bad enough to fire him because that's seven and six in year four is not where it needs to be. I would hope that that pushes it over the edge. If, if that completely came to fruition, you win one of these two seemingly unwinnable games and then you go seven and six next year, you do finally just go, okay, it's not going to get better. It's what you should do right now, but this is Tennessee. So they're not gonna, <laughs> in my opinion, I, we, we could kind of talk that into the ground and speculate all day, but it's just a tough position that Tennessee is in. That's the bottom line. Pruitt put himself in this position. He did it to himself. It's not as another talking point I've seen on, on Facebook is Tennessee just needs better fans that don't complain so much. No, no, don't lose eight games. Don't lose seven games. Don't stink like this. Don't lose to Arkansas. Don't lose to Kentucky by 30. And then we won't have to do this. That's the, I realize like people are just kind of saying that out of just wanting to stand up for wanting to have hope and wanting to stand up for the coach and be like, just give him time. I realize, but it just frustrates me to know when the fans are the people that deserve so much more. The fans deserve nothing but a great football program. The fans are not the problem. The fans should complain because it stinks. The fans should have higher standards. And this is, I, I know. I, the, Look, the I, I were... get. I understand wanting to give a coach the benefit of the doubt. I was that way in 2012 until with with Derek Dooley. I wanted him to figure it out to succeed. I didn't want to see him get fired and go through all this stuff. I I, I wanted. I, I had a lot of hope. And after he lost to Florida after you know they were ranked college game days there and, and they blew that game i was i, I lost it and i ever since it's then over. ever since then i'm you you know the moment and when you feel that moment like we said it, it is what it is and you shouldn't that's how what being a fan should be i mean you want to see the team do well and you've seen programs turn it around in two or three years there's no reason tennessee can't yeah th- this idea that it is the Tennessee is in such a bad spot that it's going to take six years to no, get that's, better. No, that's the if worst you, excuse. Yeah. If, if you don't specifically, that, that could be the case if your goal is like, Tennessee should be vying for a spot in the playoff in six years. Okay. Yeah. In the preceding five years, you should win eight games. You should win nine games. You should, should win 10 games. A top it 25 should, team every year. Exactly. They've never the had goal a not, in six years is a national championship. They haven't had a recruiting class outside of the top twenty-five this whole time. Not duly, none of them have. They have the talent to be top twenty-five every single year. There's zero excuse for them not to be. I get that maybe that first year is a little rocky. Your expectations shouldn't be too high, but I don't know. You still should be a winning team after the first year every single year. No excuses. Exactly. And That's exactly it. You know, if Tennessee wanted to guarantee to find success, if if even more than Cutcliffe, you you go find a way to bring Hugh Freeze to Knoxville and and let's finish. With you that. just do it. I believe we're we're both of the opinion 
Hugh, Fre- Hugh Freeze as a football coach is a winner. Where he goes, he wins. Now, he never did fully come to fruition at Ole Miss. Yes, he beat the the only coach to ever beat Saban in back-to-back years while Saban's been in Alabama, which is a ridiculous accomplishment. Um, you know, he, he did some things. I, when, one year, he did finish second in the SEC West to an Alabama team that I think went on to win a national title, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, he got extremely close but bumped his head up against Nick Saban um, at the end of the day. And so I, I just look at him and I say, that's the guy that I would shoot for this season. He goes to Virginia Tech, beats Virginia Tech with Liberty. He goes to NC State. To, I think, did they go to overtime? Then NC mm-hmm. State won on like a last second field goal or something. Um, I mean, he's taking a, what is essentially like a D2 school. A D2 school that has buku amounts of money and, you know, really good resources. But at the end of the day, it's not exactly a place where five-star players are just like, they've I'm going to go ne- to Liberty. They've never been relevant in football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's taking that team and beating ACC schools. They would beat Tennessee right now, I'm sure. Oh, uh, Totally. Absolutely. Liberty would beat Tennessee. With way right less now. talent. And so, from that, I mean, I, I just look, that's, if you were to get rid of Pruitt this year, that's sort of the pinnacle. Now, we're not going to just skip over the fact that he freeze had major problems with the NCAA and he had, I guess it never really came out exactly what happened, but there were phone calls on his work phone to prostitutes and different things. I, you know, it's, I, I haven't done all of my homework there to try to see exactly what that was, but he has, I would say baggage. And so this, we can frame this conversation through this to, to end the show I put out on Twitter a poll, and, and I said this. If you look past any of the personal life of Hugh Freeze with the the calling of call girls and different things, if you just if you say that's his personal life, he's he's repented and he's you know he's moved forward and he's not going to do that again. If that's your if that's what your take is, that's where we're at when I talk about what I'm about to talk about. And I asked this: Would you take Hugh Freeze as Tennessee's head football coach if you knew? that in five years' time, he would end up like Bruce Pearl at Auburn getting NCAA sanctions because I think that ship's about to go down. They just forfeited their postseason at Auburn, if you did not see that news. Um, But if in five years, he'd end up like Bruce Pearl at Auburn getting NCAA sanctions, but in that five years, Freeze would at least make the playoff once guaranteed. I asked that, and I said I'd take you Freeze or I'd take somebody else. 71% of Tennessee fans who follow me said Hugh Freeze. 29% said somebody else, and that is on 1,600 votes. Um, yeah, people just people want to are see fed a up. winner. Yeah. People are fed up. They, they want to see a winner. I mean, I, I would kind of say the colloquial way to say that is you're making a deal with the devil where you're saying, I'm okay with the fact that he's going to get in trouble, kind of the thing's going to get burned down at the end, but we made the playoff. People want to see a winning product at Tennessee right now. I'm one of them. Um, and I could, honestly, the the baggage with Hugh Freeze doesn't bother me as much as the endless losing at Tennessee. That's how I would put it. And I'm kind of in the same same spot there. I usually tend to think, you know, when somebody showed you who they are, that's who they are, and... Yeah, changes are possible, but it usually you end up it's like with Bruce Pearl. You usually end up back in the same spot. Something about Hugh Freeze, I can't quite put my finger on it. I 
I don't think his deal is all a show. I don't necessarily find him genuine. I think he's a guy that has some internal struggles and wants to be better than what he's been. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it would turn out if they hired him. I, I think there's a I've, decent chance that you, you'd end up in, in a bad spot, but maybe not. I've heard exactly both sides of the coin. So I've talked to people who I would say know Hugh Freeze in a professional sense, and they're like, yeah, he's slimy. Um, and he's not, I guess the religious way to say it, he's not above reproach. Right. <laughs> as, as your grandmother in church would say. Um, at the same time, I've talked to somebody who also would, I would say, knows him personally um, pretty well, and they glowed about him. He's great. He's a family man who's made mistakes, and he he's a great person who just, you know, we all, again, <laughs> with the religious, we all fall short in the eyes of God. You know, it's just like that That was their take on it. So I've heard both sides of that coin. Here, Here's where I stand with the NCAA and the cheating. I do not care. I do not care. Every single coach across all of major college football cheats. If you think that, yeah, your school does too. If you're a ten, not a Tennessee fan, they're cheating too. Whatever school you root for, yeah, they're cheating. They pay players. They give players cars. They do whatever it may be. That is occurring in major college football at every single major college program. And if you think it's not, you are wrong. And so uh, some guys just get caught. Some guys are more blatant with it. Some guys are bad at it. Some guys can't keep their mouth shut. Um, like a Will a Will Wade is just going on phone calls and talking about cheating. Is somehow still the coach at LSU. He's um, bragging about it pretty much. Yes, and exactly. Like, every Made time a- I'm like, this is it. Will Wade's going down. And- <laughs> No, nope. nope. He's he's bulletproof. He is the Teflon Don. Uh, <laughs> um, they all do it. I do not care. And so I would just say, come cheat at Tennessee, please, and just don't get caught. That's my because that, that's that's the bargain you're making with any coach. Any coach is coming here, and you have to do that to compete. And so just don't get caught. Um, and I know I, I have a very brazen take on that, and some people don't like it. It is what it is. I, you know, I, I just make no qualms about it. You got to see the world as it is, not as you want it to be. So, well, perhaps with the NCAA's the legislation that that eventually these players are going to be able to make money off their likeness, wherever that stands at the moment. Uh, maybe that's something that could help Hugh Freeze not have to be, you know, which I don't think Freeze directly paid any players. It's not like he was on the phone arranging payments like Will Wade. He didn't like prevent it from happening. He didn't monitor his assistance. The boosters were involved. That that's the bulk, the bulk of what happened. I mean, if you look at the timeline of the stuff with Louisville, I mean, that was probably like the most high profile one with Rick Pitino at Louisville. What it, what it appeared to be is that Pitino knew he had guys on staff who were doing these things and he just plugged his ears and went, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just do it. But don't let me know about it. And then they, Which I uh, think is typically how the great ones have always done it. There's no way yeah. that Roy Williams at UNC, <laughs> Coach K at Duke, have made it all these years yeah. with all these blue chip players without the same situation. And I'm convinced that Roy Williams never hears a word about yeah. any deal. that Never. He has no clue. And that's 
100% by design. And that's the only way it can operate. The head coach to survive that long has to be so far removed from it. And I imagine Nick Saban is the exact same way at Alabama. Totally. If you, there are Kentucky fans that you will talk to and they go, Kentucky is so good that we do not have to cheat. Oh my gosh. Do you think an 18 year old cares about tradition as much as we do? (laughs) They don't. I mean, some do, of course, but the money, if you're a five-star player, basketball, football, you're going to get offered money. You're going. I've talked to plenty of high school coaches. They all there's liaisons. You've got to pay people to even get to talk to recruits. Some of these guys, like it's out there. Everybody knows it. Like, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I I always this is the example I always use. The guy that brought one of the main guys that brought down the Louisville situation was Brian Bowen. I believe he got. Was it $150,000, I think? If he had to, if the offer that he took was $150,000, you think that Louisville paid that because no one else is offering him any money? They were just like, we're so generous. We're going to give you $150,000. No, Kentucky offered him $100,000, and then Louisville offered him $150,000, and he was like, Okay, I'm going to Louisville. Yeah. That's what happens. Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, you know, if you're an Auburn fan and you think that Auburn didn't pay Cam Newton in 2009 or 10 or whatever it was, you're living in the twilight zone because there's no way that Mississippi State offered him money and they entertained that offer and then just decided to go to Auburn. They took the high road. Yeah. There's no, no, (laughs) no. No, they did not. And did Auburn, not Ira. you know, whatever Auburn did, like one, they were confident that they hit it well because they kept playing Cam Newton that year, even though he hadn't mm-hmm. been cleared. And they, I mean, it worked out. They won the championship. It all worked out. Nothing. They've never got caught. So whoever set that up, Tennessee should go hire that guy if they hire Hugh Freeze. And, and I'm also, I mean, I'm one. I go so far in this particular argument where some people go, well, I don't. I just don't want the wins to be vacated and like the NCAA doesn't acknowledge that we won. And I go, but you won. Like we all watched it. We all watched Louisville win a national title in 2013, even though the NCAA says they didn't. We live in reality. We were there. You know, Louisville fans celebrated that win in real time. They won the national title. It's not like the record books not reflecting it means it didn't happen. You did it. And yeah. so I that's even that one. I get it. You want you want it to reflect on the rule books that you won a national title and stuff. But at the end of the day, you won whether the NCAA says you did or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure USC fans still celebrate 2004 you know, Reggie Bush exactly. and, and all that. I mean, that we all you, watched. You it can never take away the parade. You can never take away the celebration. <laughs> no, nobody goes the, the 2004, I guess it was what, what is the, the game of the century with Vince young? Um, oh yeah. Texas. That Vince, was Oh five. I think Oh five. Um, like even if that game is vacated, well, I guess Texas won, but whatever, you know, with, with USC, like, Nobody replays that as like one of the greatest games ever and goes, actually, we can't show this because it was vacated. No, it was still one of the greatest games ever, even if it was vacated. We all watched it happen. It was amazing. And that, you know, 
And so that argument, you're not even going to get me there. I get it, but still. And Tennessee, I think there's a lot of Tennessee fans that would feel very similarly, it seems. 71% on the poll that I took out of 1,600 people. The one interesting, win. the one interesting thing you kind of alluded to it is is Hugh Freeze kind of falling short at Ole Miss and never quite getting over the hump. I've seen a lot of fans hit that talking point as well and and voice concern about that. Well, one he's beat Alabama and Tennessee can't, so that kind of wipes that out. But those same questions existed around Dan Mullen at Mississippi State when Tennessee was thinking about hiring him. He never quite got you know, over this hump and, and all that. And we'll look at him at Florida now. You know, they're a what, top five team. I mean, they're on the verge of, of competing for championships. And, you know, Tennessee has more resources than Ole Miss. Florida has more resources than Mississippi State. I, I, I hope that people don't continue to make that argument if Hugh Freeze becomes a legit option for Tennessee. It To, to me, that, that argument, I just say – what you got stinks, and this guy is clearly better. So who, if I'm, if I have to choose between these two, it's an easy choice. Is he perfect? Is he Nick Saban, the greatest living current college football coach? Nobody is, but he's been a winner, and that's to me that's it's a no a no brainer. I. I, I hate that we have to talk about this. I wish Pruitt would just win. You already mentioned it on the show. I wish Pruitt would just win. And then we wouldn't have to do anything. But he's not. And here we are. Um, well, we're already going a little long. I think that's that's the bulk of it. Let's, let's do give, as we head out the door here, a score prediction for Tennessee, Florida. I will, if, if the game goes on as scheduled, I will be there as of last night. I... Got tickets to the game. Going to be going with some friends of mine who are Florida fans. That should be fun. So you're um, the person that will be buying tickets <laughs> next year if Pruitt is, is retained. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am a glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I'll, I'll be there to watch the pain and suffering. What, uh, what do you think will be the final score? Uh, Florida's offense is obviously going to put up a lot of points. Tennessee's offense probably isn't going to put up a lot of points, and they're definitely not going to, to be able to stop Florida's offense. I don't think Florida's going to let it get too out of hand. I don't know. Dan Mullen does kind of yeah, – I'll go 45-10 to 10 Florida. I think Dan Mullen is annoying and – I like at Mississippi State, you can be that guy. They need, they really need a guy that's like Dan Mullen, where he's a cheerleader and he's rah rah. And he, I mean, he's also a very intense, um, like, will, will step on your neck kind of a guy at the end of the day, too. Yeah. He kind of tried to fight a ref the other week or something. Yeah. (laughs) It was very close to it. He was about to punch Todd Grantham in the face yesterday. Yes. Um, you saw that clip. I think, given the opportunity, he's gonna steamroll Tennessee and like make a make an example. Again, projection on my part. It's a prediction. I think it's gonna be like fifty nine to ten. Mm. Like it's gonna. He's gonna take the opportunity to roll over 
Tennessee because he just is sort of that kind of dude. He he did it a couple times specifically to Ole Miss. Man, if um, they get steamrolled like that and follow it up with a loss to Vanderbilt, I'm not sure. How do you, how do you justify how? So that that's that's the real doom and gloom. But Florida's offense is the truth. They're really really good. They have the guy that's going to win the Heisman at quarterback. Uh, at least as of right now, he's set up to win the Heisman. And their defense kind of stinks, but Tennessee's offense stinks even worse. <laughs> so year three I, of Jeremy Pruitt. Thinking yeah. Florida's going to beat Tennessee by 40-some points. Here we are. 59 to 10. That's, that's is where my we're prediction. at. I think Mullen runs it up out of just, I guess, being vindictive. So And because they can. They just can. <laughs> they can. I mean, they can. They just can. That's the um, issue. You, oh, dude. If you want an offense that is set up so perfectly to destroy Tennessee's inadequacies on defense... It is Florida's offense. If we if we want to get into the minutia of this, I didn't really want to. I just wanted a score prediction, but let's just say that they are running an offense that is essentially built on passing to the best tight end in America right across the middle. Oh my gosh, that's Tennessee's biggest weakness. They should be able to do whatever they want. It uh, it makes me sick. I hate and Tennessee so doesn't even Tennessee's it. defense doesn't even know what a tight end is because they never see one in practice. So no. I ugh, it makes me sick. I hate, ugh, I hate Florida. I I'm gonna be sick when I'm and, there. And you're going. I'm going with Florida fans. A couple of my good friends are Florida fans, and that's who we're going with. What an why I have I done this? I can't wait for the podcast just to hear some stories from this adventure. Oh, it's gonna be me and one of my best friends getting in a fist fight, probably. <laughs> no, that will be perfect. <laughs> Okay. Look, look for that clip on Twitter. Uh, we can <laughs> exactly. I think that's going to be it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed is where you got to go rate, review, subscribe. Every Monday, the show drops at 7 a.m., except for weeks when we miss it. But nonetheless, uh, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes at Charlie underscore Burrs at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports, yada yada, blah blah blah. Hope everybody has a good week. Hopefully, I frankly, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Tennessee gives Florida a run. Please, please don't do this to me. <sighs> well, what I don't even know what would be more painful Tennessee just getting run out of the building or Tennessee getting really close to beating Florida and then not. Well, those are the only two options, really, in a Tennessee world. It's exactly <laughs> heartbreak or just pure <laughs> depression. So, and now I get to go watch. Uh, right after this, this is Sunday morning. Pulling back the curtain a little bit, I get to go watch the Titans play against their version of Florida, the Colts. Um, who the Titans have lost, you know, however many out of the last however many. Uh, it's exactly the Colts are the Titans, Florida. So fun stuff. Ah, man, I. Uh, what a life that I lead. Uh, so that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later. Yeah.